It's Friday, July 26th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we're diving into a new Senate report showing how far Russia went to target U.S. election systems. We'll connect the dots on the impact of this widespread interference and why Congress is debating what to do in the future. Then, the migrant crisis has escalated in the Mediterranean. We'll give you the details. And finally, it's the final season of Orange is the New Black, but its legacy will live on. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about the Russians and how they tried to hack U.S. elections. Yeah, we kind of already knew that. But wait, there's more. The Senate Intelligence Committee released a bipartisan report yesterday showing that back in 2016, Russians targeted election systems in all 50 states. Previous reports showed that Russians had only hacked 21 state systems. This isn't the disinformation campaigns we've been hearing so much about, where Russians posted ads on Facebook trying to sway public opinion. This is about actual hacks into election system software, voter information, and more. So this report shows that Russian interference was more widespread than we thought. And we're going to get into that today. What we've been warned about, what this report says, and what's being done about it. First, let's be real. We've been hearing a lot about Russian interference. It was the main issue former special counsel Robert Mueller was investigating, in addition to the possible coordination with the Trump campaign and whether President Trump obstructed justice. During his testimony to the House Judiciary Committee on Wednesday, Mueller said Americans need to be paying attention to this. Over the course of my career, I have seen a number of challenges to our democracy. The Russian government's effort to interfere in our election is among the most serious. Later in the day, in front of the House Intelligence Committee, he said it one more time for the people in the back, this isn't old news. No, it wasn't a single attempt. They're doing it as we sit here. And they expect to do it uh, 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 during the, the next campaign. But those sound bites didn't get a lot of play until yesterday when the Senate Intelligence Committee released this report showing that the Russians infiltrated all 50 states without being detected. The committee reportedly interviewed 200 witnesses and reviewed 400,000 documents. And they found quite a lot. First, Russia's hacks didn't happen overnight. The report said the Russian government got to work as early as 2014 and kept going through at least 2017. During that time, the Russians scanned systems in every state. There's no evidence to prove they actually changed any votes or compromised any of the machines, but they could have. The report says that the Russians may have just wanted to see if they could exploit U.S. election vulnerabilities and save that info to use in the future. That's the second main point. The big takeaway from the report? There was what some are calling a massive intelligence failure. The Department of Homeland Security and the FBI didn't give states enough info so they could deal with the threat. And some states reportedly resisted help from the federal government. Basically, everyone underestimated the scope of the hack. That's something everyone says they want to avoid in the future. But what's being done about it? Unclear. Some of the Senate Intelligence Committee's report was blacked out, including key recommendations for future elections. One of the recommendations just said, build a credible, and everything else was redacted. The proposals we could see included updating state infrastructure and potentially providing more funds to address some insecure voting systems. 
Democratic Senator Ron Wyden attached a dissent to the report, saying that the recommendations don't go far enough and Congress should establish mandatory cybersecurity requirements. But it doesn't seem like some senators are ready to take their colleagues' advice anyway. Republicans blocked some pieces of legislation yesterday that were trying to strengthen election security by requiring paper ballots and audits and providing more funding. The legislation was put forward by Democrats, and Republicans think the bills take power away from the states. Here's Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. It's very important that we maintain the integrity and the security of our elections in our country. Any Washington involvement in that task needs to be undertaken with extreme care extreme care, and on a thoroughly bipartisan basis. So what's the skim? To be clear, this Senate report was about physical election hacks. There will be other reports on how the Russian government made contacts with the Trump campaign and how the Russians tried to influence voters through misinformation on social media. But it's not just about the Russians. Mueller warned during his hearing that more countries are trying to replicate what the Russians did during the last election. One could be Iran. Reports came out yesterday that Iranian disinformation campaigns have been found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Twitter has shut down thousands of fake accounts from Iran this year alone. All of the major social media companies have teams dedicated to stomping out disinformation campaigns. But they have a growing list of bad actors to weed out. And if Congress wants bipartisan legislation, they'll have to act fast. The 2020 election is right around the corner. We've talked a lot about the migrant crisis on the southern U.S. border, but there's another one happening in the Mediterranean Sea. Yesterday, about 150 migrants drowned off the Libyan coast. Officials are calling it the worst Mediterranean tragedy of this year. Another 140 migrants on the boat were rescued and then taken back to Libya. This is not the first time this has happened. For years, the EU has been trying to figure out how to handle the millions of migrants coming from Africa and the Middle East, trying to escape things like war, violence, and poverty back home. The number of migrants making the voyage to Europe has dropped since the peak of the crisis in 2015, but many are still crowding onto boats, even though it's an incredibly dangerous trip. And human rights experts are warning that the conditions are actually deadlier now because there are fewer governmental and non-governmental ships patrolling the waters to pick them up. Part of the reason for that is Italy. That's where most of the migrants coming from North Africa head, and where the UN says the migrants who died were probably going. It's not like European countries were blind to the dangers of migrants crossing the Mediterranean. In 2013, hundreds of migrants drowned in a shipwreck near the Italian island of Lampedusa. That's when Italy got serious about spotting migrant boats and rescuing people on board. Those search and rescue missions saved tens of thousands of lives, but they were also expensive. Just a year later, Italy shut down the operations, saying that other European countries weren't doing enough to help. Then last year, a nationalist and anti-immigrant party took control of the Italian government. And it's been working to keep migrants out entirely. One way is by preventing ships with rescued migrants from coming ashore. In March, the European Union reduced its search and rescue missions, 
organizations like Doctors Without Borders suspended theirs for a while, too, because of pushback from the Italian government. But they've started up again, and are warning that politicians shouldn't be turning a blind eye to the humanitarian crisis. The UN High Commission for Refugees says yesterday's shipwreck is just another example of the dangerous situation these migrants are in, even back home. And they say Libya isn't exactly a safe place to be sent back to. Earlier this month, an airstrike killed 44 people at a migrant detention center in Libya, the same one some of these migrants are being sent to. That hit is being described as a potential war crime. Looking for a new show to binge? We've got you. The final season of Orange is the New Black came out on Netflix today. There are just 13 more episodes to close out the stories of the ladies at the fictional women's prison, Litchfield Penitentiary. But the show, based on Piper Kerman's memoir of her time in prison, will have a lasting legacy. The Pusey Washington Fund. Pusey was a fan favorite from the start, and when she was killed by a correctional officer at the end of season four, there was a huge internet outcry and a lot of heartbreak from fans. The fund will raise money for organizations that focus on criminal justice reform and that help women who have served time to re-enter society. Here's Samira Wiley, the actress who played Pusey on the show, in the Netflix announcement about the fund. We've been honored to tell these stories of these characters, and we've learned firsthand that the system is failing women, both inside and outside of prison walls. For decades, women have been the fastest-growing population in U.S. prisons. Piper Kerman wrote in a Washington Post op-ed today that the U.S. has used incarceration as, quote, a first response when it should be a last resort. To donate to the fund, head over to crowdrise.com slash Washington Fund. Before we go today, we've got some fun facts coming to you from Hardcore Cyclists. It's the final weekend of the Tour de France. Nearly 200 cyclists ride more than 2,000 miles for 23 days, including over some super steep mountains. But it's not the same route every year. This year's race is being called the highest in history because three of the mountaintop finishes were above 2,000 meters, including one on the highest paved road in Europe. So it's a huge endurance challenge and pretty brutal. In fact, riders burn almost as many calories in two hours of racing as an average person burns over an entire day. The final stage is this Sunday, when they sprint down the Champs-Élysées in Paris to the finish. And that's all for Skim This. Thank you so much for listening this week, and don't forget to hit subscribe. We'd love for you to share the show with your friends and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. A lot of news happens over the weekend, so if you want to catch up first thing on Monday, sign up for our morning newsletter, The Daily Skim. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. You can sign up at theskim.com. <laughs>